So you first have to understand yourself more, more deeply, uh, but you also have to understand yourself in the context of how you work with other people. Mm -hmm. And you can only do that if the person on the other end is willing to be transparent and, and authentic. Your legacy is your brand, what you're building. We want to inspire a generation of entrepreneurs to fearlessly create things that matter with a community that supports, motivates, and guides them towards victory as they take on the giants standing in their way. This is the Battle Ready Brands Podcast. The economy is constantly changing. Today's brands need a battle strategy that is tested and proven to help them win. Suit up. It's time to get battle ready. And here are your hosts, Matt Kretzman and Brad Parnell. All right, guys, thanks for joining us on this next episode of the Battle Ready Brands podcast, fueling brands to endure. And we've got a really special treat uh, for our viewers with this. These next guests is actually two of them from Cloverleaf, Darren yep. and Kirsten. Yep, so these guys are the founders of a technology platform. What I think was so cool, though, you know, about the interview is it's not just about the platform. Like everyone is coming out with their app or their tool, but ultimately it's about the mission. What is the mission that they're driving towards that if people believe in it and sign up for it, it's going to continue to grow and get better and evolve. But like hearing their story, hearing their trials, how they are becoming a battle ready brand um, is just, is pretty amazing. And I mean, we just signed up for it. We're using it. I just took some of the tests in there. Like it's it's really cool. We've we've done a lot of personality tests around here, but this yeah. this one's pretty neat. It combines a lot of them into one space. And we've got a special offer for you. Head over to cloverleaf.me, enter the code BattleReady30, and you'll get thirty percent off the platform. If you're building a team um, now, or you see in your near future that you will be building a team, this is an essential episode for you. And one of the most important things that somebody can do in building a BattleReady brand is know themselves, know their team well and strategically think through how they should approach their work internally and externally. So you're going to get a lot of, a lot of, a lot of value from this episode and uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. So thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy it. Darren and Kirsten, thank you guys so much for joining Battle Ready Brands podcast today. We're so excited to have you back on the show. Yeah. Oh, we're so excited to be here. Thanks for the invite. So, so Darren and Kirsten are both from a company called Cloverleaf um, that cross maps your team's personality, skills, and culture and reveals insights that can help you make better decisions about you and your teams. And I, I don't know about you guys listening, not already brands, but if you have teams and work with people, the value of understanding how to unlock the potential of your teams and getting people just to work together and their strengths, like, oh my gosh, like that, that is a job in itself and you yeah. can unlock that like amazing things happen so very excited to have you guys on the show we've got the we've got the people who have unlocked so you're gonna hear the secrets today yeah <laughs> unlocking your team's full potential they've cracked yeah, it's because, yeah it's funny because our elevator pitch we really started with that that concept which is everybody's been a part of a great team at some point uh, but oftentimes it is just a point in time and um, the all the other team experiences don't measure up so you kind of like cling to this moment of like, man, that one team, that one time was so great. And it really does feel like a mystery that you've got to kind of unlock or decipher and no one can kind of figure out like, what's the, what's the calculus behind how to make a good team work. So we we're excited to bring some clarity to that and help people understand, you know, what it means to be a high performer in a high performing team and to be a part of a team that is just really kick ass. I actually just came up with a new one-liner for us. We do psychology calculus. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Whoa. 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 <laughs> you might need to rethink that one. Yeah, time out. <laughs> That's, it did sound a little heady, didn't it? Well, I, I know for, for me, I almost like didn't graduate college for math. I had to go back and take like a remedial course. And so just the word math or calculus to me kind of gives me gives me chills and like flashbacks. But I, I, I get what you're saying there. That's cool. So, so tell us a little bit about your guys' backstory. So, before you have a Cloverleaf, who is Darren? Who is Kirsten? Um, how did you guys get this started? How did you guys meet? Walk us through some of that story. Yeah. So, I I have a 15 year corporate career. So, I actually I started out in internal audit of all places. You know, how do you get from internal audit to 
you know, starting a high tech uh, business in this space is a really bizarre thing. Yes. Uh, so I won't go into all of those gory details, but needless to say, I was I was in a corporate environment. I was actually really good in in corporate structures, but just realized that I had this entrepreneurial itch and I had tons of side projects I was doing outside of uh, corporate America. And um, I, you know, I had really great experiences and got to work with some really amazing companies. But at the end of the day, I just a, a process of discovery kind of really realized and, and embraced the identity of being an entrepreneur and that I really love creating things. And it was really hard to do that in a corporate structure where there's bureaucracy and just all the stuff that kind of comes with big organizations. And so I had kind of started to move towards building my own things. And I'll, I'll let Kirsten talk a little bit about her background and then those two stories can come together. Yeah, so actually when Darren first left the corporate world, he came to a smaller creative company and did all things non-creative. And then I managed the creative. So that's where we met. We met at a company called Epiphio that had a fantastic culture, like loved coming to work every day, loved the people that we worked with. And we, all the people who worked there just felt like we were doing something so far beyond what any of us individually were capable of because we had such incredible team chemistry and we're working with really incredible people. Um, and also at that company, we did a lot of, you know, like personality assessments, strengths assessments, just for fun. It wasn't instituted by leadership. The individuals were just really interested in it. But then we were always wondering, now what? Like, oh, great, I'm an INFP. That's interesting. I probably process internally. You process externally. What do I do now? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so now what? Um, so... So Darren and I actually both left that company for different reasons. I had a baby. He was working on a different company. We ran into each other at a party and um, he said, Kirsten, what are you up to? I said, well, I, I think I'm going to start a business. And he said, I'm starting a business. Let's do this together. <laughs> so, you know, one of the interesting easy. things too that Kirsten glossed over in that conversation is, you know, when, when we were at the, the video agency together, you know, all of our work was done in teams. So we had, you know, groups, cross-functional teams of four or five people. And, you know, when we looked and reflected on kind of the performance of those teams and what made a successful project in the context of that environment, it really came back to the combinations of people that we put together to execute those projects. And we would reflect on the ones that, you know, did not go well. And oftentimes it was, we had the wrong, like, creative director and, you know, um, designer on the project, right? Like we, if we had paired one or the other with a different person in that mix, you know, we think we probably could have had some different outcomes. And, you know, that's really kind of what got us started thinking about that. Part of it was the culture, but the other part of it too was like, man, this, this whole thing where people work together and create something of value by, I bring my ideas and she brings her ideas and our experiences. And we try to get those things to work together. Like, it's just really, really difficult. And man, there's got to be some data and some stuff that we can put behind that to actually make teamwork more effective. So. Hey, my friends. So if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, one of the hardest things to do is to generate leads. I mean, there's going to networking events, there's you know running your own Facebook ads, there's doing all of this work to try to get people. And here's the secret truth, is only 3% of all people are ready to buy today. And that's usually what we only focus on. So we've created a free resource called the Sales Volcano of everything that's beneath the 3% and actually how to talk to those people, how to warm them up, and we've created a free PDF for you to download so you can start using that today to help blow up your leads and sales. So go to 90dayvolcano.com or just click this link below and we're gonna give that to you for absolutely free. So 90 Day Volcano, enjoy it. Peace. If we can kind of frame the conversation, because I think sometimes a tendency can be for culture to be just this abstract idea. It's just abstract word like, hey, we have good culture. Okay, what does that actually so if you could define culture and what that means for business in the way that you see it and have experienced it. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times, especially in the startup world, they think of like ping pong tables and beer kegs, right? Those, that's cool, you know, like and, and if that fits your culture, but like that's we, just we not it. We have good culture now? <laughs> 
<laughs> so we actually, when we started to kind of think about how do we define culture, uh, we made, I think, a really important strategic decision early on and in, in kind of concepting the product that we wanted to build. And it was this idea that what, how culture is created is the individual characteristics of the people that are assembled in that team or that organization, right? You know, if you're talking about an organization like Procter & Gamble, um, and I'm using them because they're based here in Cincinnati with us, um, you know, 55,000 employees globally, you know, and people would say like, oh, P&G has a very clear culture. Well, the reality is P&G has a very clear thousand cultures, you know, like IT in, um, you know, Istanbul is going to be much different than, um, you know, consumer uh, marketing and branding here in Cincinnati. And each of those teams have their own unique culture. And so it was really this concept that like, we group people together, you know, and, and regardless of what you call that grouping, whether it's a small team, or it's a department or a division, that if you aggregate data points about those individuals um, into those teams, you can actually get a visualization or real insight into what is this culture, you know, and ultimately it's a series of behaviors and values that people bring to the work that they're doing. And how do those things work together to create, um, you know, an environment where people can thrive? Mm, that's great. Can, can we flesh it out a little bit more? I'm curious because you you, you said that the culture that you came from and the place that you worked was just phenomenal, Kirsten. Like, can you define that a little bit more? Like, what were some of the daily interactions that happened that kind of made you leave with that as a takeaway? So we definitely did have a beer keg, and we definitely had a ping pong table for a short period until it was broken. With foosball. But I never, I rarely partook in either of those things, so I would not say that to find our culture. It was, it was very much how we worked together, how we conducted meetings, how we, um, you know, just managed the insane workload that we had together and I like one of the things that I feel like we talked a lot about is the commitment that we had for each other mm -hmm. right that there wasn't a lot of the like infighting or yeah. like mistrust yeah um and that it was that kind of bond or that trust that existed across the entire team and it was about 75 employees so it mm -hmm. wasn't you know 10 people um and, and that was that it's that kind of stuff that's so hard to kind of be able to put your finger on, right? Because it's it's squishy and yeah. that's going to feel different for everyone. But. Yeah, it is. It reminds me of the Google study. Do you guys know about Project Aristotle that Google did where they looked across, you know, 10,000 teams across all of Google to see what makes the most successful product like or, or productivity on teams? And what they found was it's not skills, it's not past experience, it's not you know certain personality types it's not certain education it fully comes down to get this psychological safety which means it's okay to put out an idea and other people disagree with it and everybody still has mutual respect for each other like you feel safe to put yourself out there whether or not it's accepted or rejected you feel safe um, and we very much had that at Epiphio. There was, it, it was a creative agency, so it was all about throwing creative ideas out and, um, you know, only one could win, but you would, so you would have to have a thousand others that didn't win and still at the end of the day think, wow, this was really fun. Thanks guys. Like I, I really appreciated this, this meeting that we had together. Um, so I would say that that existed really well at that company and, what we've seen in creating Cloverleaf and in, you know, coaching a ton of other organizations, we've seen that there are teams where people are really similar. There are teams where people are really different. And it really comes down to trust. If you have trust in the people that you're working with, and that creates that psychological safety, um, then you can produce so much better work and also just feel really good about your experience of working together. That's amazing. Phenomenal answer. Psychological safety. That's awesome. Yep. That's amazing. Which would you mean? We Google. We're just dropping some big words on you guys today. I know. It's, we've got calculus and a psychological safety. <laughs> I'm fill my coffee. Bag. <laughs> it's to be the after lunch conversation. Yeah, you're right. But, but I mean, that makes sense. I mean, if you think about like coming into a workplace, an environment where you feel safe to be who you were made to be, and you're not trying to be someone you're not. Um, and playing with someone else's rules and just going home exhausted. I mean, that 
that, that makes so much sense. And yeah. Google spent a little bit of time and money to get those results. It was actually a lot of time. They put a whole lot of effort into that. And I would also add another big word for you. Well, it's uh -oh. two word. It's a big uh -oh. phrase. Cognitive uh -oh. diversity. Ready for it? Cognitive yeah. diversity. So that's another really important thing on teams. And that basically means you just have people who think really differently. So we were joking about how Darren and I have complementary strengths, which means we're very different. Why did you put that in quotes? I mean, jeez. <laughs> because it's a politically correct way of saying we're very different and we disagree a lot, which it's is healthy. It's a positive in quotes. It is actually really... Cognitive diversity. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is truly a positive, Matt. It is. Um, and Harvard has done a lot of studies around that as well. So Google and Harvard and their studies about what makes great teams, it comes down a lot to psychological safety and cognitive diversity. So being able to agree to disagree and still really appreciate the human being who you're disagreeing with. I love that. You know, I was reading a book lately too that talks about, you know, just getting teams to rumble. And it's that building that yeah. psychological safety and like, hey, it's okay, let's jump in the room and let's rumble and know that you're in a safe place. Are you a Brene Brown fan? You got me. Totally. Yes. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan, and yes, rumbling is is definitely necessary on a team. That's awesome. Yeah, but but and, but you see this pattern in lots of books, right? So you, you get, uh, gosh, what is it? Uh, I'm blanking on his name. But but this this pattern of like like having that safety, like going into a room and being able to have those conversations. Um, uh, Patrick Lencioni, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, yeah. the bottom yeah. is trust and the whole idea of that team is the same thing. Like, hey, let's, let's be able to have these conversations where we're not going to be overly nice and fake, but we're also not going to be like intentionally pounding each other. But, but we have to enter into a room knowing if Matt has a different idea than Brad, um, that we're going to commit to a solution and we're going to go forward because we're listening to each other and we respect each other and it's okay if we have different opinions. So we can't let that separate us. And I think that psychological safety is so important, so key in, in that. Yeah, you're, yeah, the interesting thing about that too is you're hitting on a couple of things, right? One is authenticity, right? So being yourself in that in that context, that's what you, you just mentioned. The other piece of that is transparency, you know, and those two things kind of work in conjunction with each other. You can't, if you're, if, you're, if you're not transparent, then chances are you're probably not authentic, right? Or the other person on the other end of that conversation can't be authentic. And um, a big part of, as we built our product, and I don't think we started out this way, right? If somebody is listening to this and maybe they used Cloverleaf a year ago or, or two years ago, they wouldn't be able to say that. But um, I think a big part of how we've been able to create that is uh, creating awareness of others. And so you first have to understand yourself more, more deeply, uh, but you also have to understand yourself in the context of how you work with other people. Mm -hmm. And you can only do that if the person on the other end is willing to be transparent and, and authentic, right? And so um, I, I think when we think about trust, when we think about uh, creating the psychological safety, a big part of it is breaking away misconceptions that people have about each other, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that guy did that because he doesn't like me, or mm -hmm. that guy did that because he's trying to take my job, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these are things that people tell themselves in a team or in an organizational context. And really, if we can shed light and demonstrate to people on an ongoing basis that like, it's not about that, like that guy isn't doing that because he's intentionally sabotaging you, right? It's how you're perceiving his actions and the ultimate driver behind those actions is this other thing, right? And oh, by the way, that's a very human uh, behavior, right? It's not something that's wrong or defective about that person. It's just different and let's, let's appreciate that and let's figure out how we can harness that before together. Hey guys, so if you're wanting to grow your business online, you need an online sales funnel that converts visitors into leads and then into customers without having to be an expert digital marketer or techno geek. You know, ClickFunnels has helped us grow our business and our clients' businesses too. And that's how 95,000 other entrepreneurs are building their business online. Today, over $4 billion has been processed through ClickFunnels and you need to get, you need to get a piece of that action. Yeah, that's right. So we're giving away a 14 day free trial so you can actually start building funnels for your brand. All you have to do is go to click.battlereadybrands.com. That's click.battlereadybrands.com.
So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, there's all these systems out there. I know we've mentioned a few, but you've got, you know, like Enneagram that's been around forever, um, you know, Culture Index, Predictive Index, DISC. Um, I'm, I'm curious, kind of two questions. One is, besides your products, what, what was your favorite before you existed? Like, what did you see the most value out of? And then what, what inspired you or what, what pieces, if any, you guys bring over to make your own product? Because, I mean, that's a... That's got to be a little difficult. I mean, you've got, you know, predictive index of being like, hey, we've been around since the 50s. This has been around, gosh, I don't know how long, 400 years, 400 years. <laughs> you guys came to the market with like, hey, this is our new solution. So I'd love to hear the evolution of that and, and even how you, how you guys kind of pitch that to people that are fall back on, oh, my grandfather used this tool. <laughs> that works. I think there's a couple of really important distinctions there. So one, I think you're right. I mean, it's a really kind of crowded field. I think they're, the, the world falls into two camps around behavioral assessments, right? They either love them or they hate them. And, you know, the people that love them have their favorites and, and that's cool. Uh, we've read somewhere that there's over a thousand uh, behavioral assessments in the market, right? If you look across the globally, you know, and it's just, I think it's confusing. You know, people are like, Hey, am I a red? Am I a, you know, a nine? Am I a D? Am I a, like, I don't, you know, I, it, it just starts to, it starts to become a foreign language to people. And I think if people haven't been in that before, it can start to feel really distracting. It's like, how do I, how do I actually do something with this? And so I think one of the things that we did is we capitalized on one, the research and the history of those tools, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned Enneagram has been around forever and disc, you know, I think tongue in cheek, 400 years. I don't think it's quite, years, but, um, but it's been around for a really long time, right? Decades, uh, maybe four decades, not four centuries. And, and you know, a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the research and stuff, too, dates back to kind of Carl Jung's work, you know, in the late 1800s. So it's just different flavors of that. And so really what we did is we partnered with those. We don't want to create more assessments. Um, so we haven't created any new assessments in our platform. We've really just tried to capitalize on the ones that people are familiar with and they're comfortable with, right? And we want to support people. So to your point, your grandfather's, you know, personality assessment um, yeah, I mean, like everybody has their favorite if they are in that space, right? And so we want to be able to give them something familiar, but really take it to the next level, right? For us, it's not about you're a nine or a D or a blue. Um, and it's way more about how does this impact how I'm going to approach this meeting that I'm walking into right now, right? And with these three people that I need to sell this concept or this idea to, how can I, you know, what can I say to them to persuade or influence them um, to, to potentially get the right outcome for that? We believe there's incredible research already out there from, you know, the past, quote, 400 years. And um, we also really just want to make that accessible to everyday people in their everyday lives. So we've built out, we've broken a lot of that research down into two sentence, super conversational coaching tips that we send to you in your email, in your calendar, in your Slack, because where you're working, you don't have time to leave and go and study yourself. You need a coach right there with you. And that's what we're working really hard to be. Yeah. We've seen a lot of organizations they've literally like printed out binders on like managers desks and it's like you know oh i'm about to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone let me flip through the 800 like, study their disc assessment and then and try to decipher that and determine whether or not you know i should say this one thing to them or not you know mm -hmm. and like the reality is people just aren't going to do that you yeah. know like it's just not that's not going to actually drive behavior change um and so that's, that's really what we're focused on doing is leveraging technology to do that more effectively. Yeah. You also, Brad, you asked us what's our favorite? Mm -hmm. What's our okay. favorite assessment? What's been your, your favorite one to take that you found the most value in? Okay, so Darren and I are totally going to have opposite answers on this. For sure. <laughs> because of our complementary strengths. Um, I, I, I really loved StrengthsFinder. When I first took StrengthsFinder, I thought, well, darn it. What does any of this say that is good about me? It says I like to sit in a corner and read books. Like I can produce nothing of value for the world. Um, <laughs> and it was the first step that really opened my eyes to the value of my introverted strategic thinking. Um, I didn't, I had no idea those things were even considered good anywhere in the world. I just thought I was, had a propensity to be lazy and think and not do much. Um, 
but it turns out that's not true at all. Um, and then also we took Berkman and had a coach like walk us through it. And it blew my mind because of the way that the coach was walking us through it. He basically called out some things that felt very exposing to me at the time. I was like, how do you know this about me? Oh my gosh. He was like, you probably, um, feel really stifled um, when you're at home alone washing dishes, you feel held back in life. I was like, what? How, what in the world? How do you know this about me? <laughs> um, and he just gave really, really helpful advice. And, and that really is what we want to put into the platform. We want to, you know, not everybody can have the experience of having a coach right there with them. If you can, great. We want to support that um, and, and be an ongoing part of that. But if you can't, we still want you to be able to be seen and to be coached and to see what is truly a value within you that you might before have thought was a weakness, that you just happen to be lazy, but it's not true. You actually are a strategic thinker who can like do a whole lot of good. Well, the, the really interesting thing about that, too, where for people who think those things are weaknesses, chances are they're in a position or in a role that makes them feel like those strengths are weaknesses, yes. right? And that's one of yes. the important things that we do for managers and leaders in an organization is really kind of expose that as a as a strength, right? And to say like, how can you give this person more opportunities to shine in that way, right? Um, and it could mean redesigning the position. It could mean you know moving them, you know, thinking about their career path differently. Um, you know, so there's lots of ways that you can act on that data, but oftentimes if someone's feeling that internal struggle, that means there's something there that is misaligned between the, uh, what they're doing on a daily basis and, and what they're, what they're really positioned to do well. I think from my perspective, I don't, I, I actually grew up hating these, uh, behavioral assessments. I was in that camp that was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't ENTJPQ, you know, like I don't. I don't know what these things mean and stop labeling me, you know, like that's something that's response. And, and so I just kind of like avoided them, frankly. And I think part of the reason why I avoided them was just the way it's delivered. Right. And I think the way people sometimes respond to it, my wife is super into Enneagram right now. And, you know, it's like, Everybody she meets, she's like, oh, my gosh, such, such a nine, you know, like, oh, oh, my gosh, look at look at her four tendencies hanging out, you know, and you're kind of like, that's the kind of stuff that always drove me crazy. And and I think that's part of what we've done with Cloverleaf is to help avoid kind of the negative uh, issues that come along with those tools. We won't tell your wife that, that we had you on the show and that you talked about her. Oh, no, he'll tell her. Oh, I, I totally tell her. I'll, I'll send it to her and she'll, she'll laugh. So, so, what, so what are your Enneagram numbers? I'm a seven. And, I, and I'm an eight. Um, and I also have some really strong three tendencies. But some people who are really into Enneagram tell me that's impossible. So I don't, I don't really understand why that's impossible. I, I think if you're raised in America, you have to have three tendencies because you went through our education system. <laughs> <laughs> Not controversial. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we'll steer away from that. Gosh, we don't want to upset the uh, educators in, no, in the no, audience. No, yeah. That's good. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a seven, eight wing. Matt, do you remember what you were? You, yeah, I think I floundered between like, I think it was a seven, eight or a two, three, I think. Yeah. I need to go back and look Matt's at it. Matt's got like four of them. I, actually, I do. It depends, on, it depends on the weather, on the weather patterns, if my behavior kind of changes. So, yeah. No, I don't That's know. Cool. So, so I'm, I'm curious, the technology that you guys created, you say you leverage some of this other you know, a behavioral assessment test to help kind of bring that to people so people can actually use that in their day-to-day -day work. And I love the idea of like integration with like calendar and Slack yes. and email. And I mean, it makes, it makes so much sense. I know for us, like I, I was kind of laughing on the inside and he said, people have binders. Like I literally have three or four binders on my desk for a two day training. I just went to, and at yep. the end, I was like, man, this is going to be so awesome. And my team is going to love this. I'm going to empower them to help unlock each other's systems. And then it just kind of sits there. Um, and I've got a few things that we're trying to use on a daily basis for visual reminders, but the idea of like dripping that in channels that we are to use to help use that in real time is super interesting. Like what a, what a cool idea for our fast business owners just how, and team members now yeah. they use it on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. And, and, you know, for the interest of people who are listening to the show, you know, building a battle ready brand, 
um, you know, fueling brands to endure. Well, a brand that is not aware of how, of, of what each team member's strengths and weaknesses are and what the interplay is among all of those people, eventually, I mean, you're not, you're not battle ready. You're, you're, you're susceptible to damage. You're susceptible to a lot of different things. So I, I guess the starting point is like for those that are listening and are building a brand and maybe they have, you know, one, two or three team members, at what point do you think would be a good place for them to start looking at themselves or, or maybe it's just two people or three? Like when do people begin taking those assessments or, or getting started? How do they get started? Well, I recommend you start right away, even if you're just one. And in, in a way, especially if you're just a team of yourself, because um, you will have to do things that you're going to dread. And you might, you know, like me, maybe think, oh, I just, I'm just lazy today. It's not true. You're not being lazy. You're just having to play into your weaknesses. And that's okay. And it's actually really um, relieving and helpful to know it, where your strengths are and are not. So that when you do grow from one to two, you can bring on the best second person for you to complement your strengths really well. Um, Darren and I, we laugh about this all the time because we really do have complementary strengths. And we also still have a huge gap in strengths between the two of us where um, neither of us are really good at just getting things done well, or like executing. Details. I think it's really more the details. Yeah, like if we've got to like, go through and do like, accounting you know which we're we like wah, wah, yeah you know neither of us are really excited about that yeah and uh, there's things like that that we're just like uh, you know it's like piling up in a corner somewhere yeah we're just afraid to go look look in that corner because who knows what's in there right you know? but we do have to look in that corner and 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 for now there's a lot of like execution detail oriented things that we still do and we're gonna have to do for a few years but that's okay because we know it we know it sucks we swallow the frog we get it done as soon as possible and then we move forward and we know who to bring on next so i recommend that you get started right away if you're a team of one team of two team of three like it's it's never too small and it's actually in some ways more crucial the smaller that you are yeah, because it really does start with yourself, right? I mean, if you don't have a clear awareness of your strengths and weaknesses and, you know, more than just your strengths and weaknesses, but also just your tendencies and, and you know, where you draw energy from the work, um, if you have a lack of awareness of those things, then when you start adding more people to the mix, like, oh my gosh, like it's only going to create more dysfunction as you add people to that, to that combination because you're in charge of them, right? You have to give them direction. You have to structure their work. You know, and you've got to do it in a way that is is going to add the most value and help your your team, your collective group, uh, be as productive as possible. So, what do you guys? What's what's the cost of hiring the wrong person? So, if, if you're bringing on, you know, someone into your team and you you don't know the value of or exactly, you know, if they're going to be a good fit or not, you bring them on a little bit fast. What what is the true cost of like going through the process of finding out later, like, man, this this person doesn't have the right? Yeah, we culture and how to get fit. Yeah, we've seen we've seen really broad ranges on that. I mean, I think and a lot of it depends on, you know, the cost of the employee, right? I mean, is this a is this an entry level position that's making $40,000 a year or is it a high level senior leader that, you know, is 150,000 a year salary. Uh, but oftentimes what we hear is that that can range anywhere from 30% of the annual salary salary to as much as three times um, the annual salary. Wow. So even if it's even if it's an entry level person, right, and it's the low end of that range, um, you know, you're still looking at over $10,000 in costs um, for, you know, a, a bad hire. And I don't think anyone really wants to pay $12,000, you know, like, especially if you're a small business. And this is one of your first hires, that's, that's significant costs. Um, yeah. And and I would say like beyond just the dollars, especially for a small team, but even for large corporations, the one wrong person is just a bad apple inside and you know like that spreads, right? Um and that doesn't even mean they're a person who is intentionally trying to be toxic or like has a terrible attitude. It's just if it's not a good fit, if it's not the right role for that person who might be amazing somewhere else, it it costs a lot to your culture. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious, man. I really want to dive into this. So um, without, without giving too much details, but um, sometimes in business, you know, partnerships are provide for good opportunities. And, and I'm sure there's entrepreneurs that are listening to this, this episode thinking uh, about a current partnership that they have or diving into another partnership with somebody. What, what would be the best 
best way to approach a potential partnership between, say, two entrepreneurs or two business owners that could provide a runway for them to run together? In an ideal world, what would that look like? As you yeah, I mean, partnership? well, I mean, I, obviously, I would plug Cloverleaf here, right? I mean, I think <laughs> Cloverleaf, and you can invite that potential partner or your existing partner to Cloverleaf. Uh, but I think realistically, you know, just if, if they're not interested in using a technology platform to help them with that, um, one of the things that Kirsten and I talk a lot about is our relationship, because I think our business relationship is is probably one of the stronger that we've seen. You know, we've seen a lot of startup co-founders, you know, whether it's just two people or it's three people or four people, right, that really just struggle with the interpersonal piece of that. And one of the things that we, we recently had an opportunity to kind of sit down and just even like write out what it was about our relationship that allowed us to be so successful. And a lot of it came back to trust and and the accountability piece and our willingness to be very very transparent and so like you know the first year that we were in in business right so we started in january 2017 2017 was a really difficult year for us terrible um and we went through an accelerator program and we got you know some seed funding and that kind of got us got us launched but you know at the end of that program which was in may of 2017 you're kind of like okay, like we've given you all the tools and resources, like go do this. Right. And, um, you know, you got to go raise money and you got to find, you know, whether it's angel investors or, or venture capital to, to and believe in your dream. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and we're just, we're dream at that point. Mm -hmm. And we just had a ton of stuff that happened in that first year that could have easily derailed our partnership. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, um, you know, I had, I had two insurance claims on my house where the wind like literally blew the roof off and it's raining into the first floor of our house. We both lost cars, the transmissions, you know, like and, a personal and, financial situation. Yeah. Terrible. We weren't getting paid at this time. We were living off of our own savings and whatever we could make up at the time, you know? And so, it so was, there's a lot of stress yeah. to that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and if we're not being open and transparent about those problems, even in our own personal life, right? Mm -hmm. Then how are we going to build trust? How are we going to be at a point where we can be an effective team? And we set the tone, right? We've hired, you know, multiple people since then and, and interns and contractors. And, you know, there's just been a lot of people that we've had influence over since then. And if it had not started with us, then there's, there's almost zero chance that you're going to have a culture that has, you know, that values transparency and authenticity and, you know, a willingness to trust the other person that, hey, they're going to deliver on that, or that there's a really valid reason why they could deliver on that. Um, and then let's adjust and figure out how we can make that, how we can make that happen. On a totally different note, something else practical that I would recommend is um, giving it like contractually or whatever, however you want to set up the new potential partnership, giving it vesting time that's a very contractual legal word but like Darren and I had a lot of trials that we went through where we got to see each other's commitment and um and and also how each other thinks through hard decisions and things like that that like we honestly just got lucky <laughs> that that all ended up working out so well we didn't have that strong of a relationship we didn't know each other super well when we dove into this together but we see a lot of people who they dive in and, and then things start to get toxic and fall apart because they should have just gotten more time seeing how they work together before they were contractually bound um, so tightly, yeah. you know? And, and I think I think one of the ways that they can do that, like we, we see typically is like, hey, we got this really great idea. Let's go set up an LLC. And when we go set up that LLC, we're just going to, you get 50% and I get 50%, right? And like all of a sudden, all the equity is allocated, right? Yeah. And so one way that you can do that from a contractual standpoint is to just have it best over time. Like, wh hey, what are the milestones? If if we hit these things in our business, um, uh, is, is that success for us? And what's that worth from an equity standpoint for both of us if we hit that, right? Or individually, if you are able to deliver on X, Y, and Z, right? Like if you're an engineer, you're the technology behind uh, behind the business, then your ability to deliver that that first product, right? That's worth 10% of equity. Um, so really creating kind of a vesting schedule that allows um, that trust to be built over time because, you know, a big part of trust is uh, can you deliver on it? You know, if I'm giving you something to do, uh, can I depend on you? Can I trust that this is going to get done? And that's a really good way to 
to like work into that without just giving someone 50% of the company from day one. Phenomenal answer. Yeah. I love you guys. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So, so during some of those like horror stories that you had with, you know, you said personal things going on, like transmissions went out, um, the roof on the first floor blew away where you had rain coming in. Like what, what kept you guys going during that time to not give up and keep, keep enduring through that storm? Um, yeah, easy answer. One is Darren just wouldn't give up. So that I'm pretty helped. persistent. If you looked at my Cloverleaf profile and, and actually it's one of our six values as a company, yeah. uh, we call it optimistic persistence. Um, but really just this idea that like, Hey, if we, if we work, if we work hard enough and we work smart enough, right. Good things will happen. And if we keep hitting that nail, if we just go and hit that nail once, like, it's unreasonable for us to expect that we're going to, you know, we're going to seal that shot. Right. And sometimes it takes multiple attempts at something to get it right. And so, yeah, that was, that was definitely a, I think I shaped that part of our culture. Big yes. Time. Thankfully, Darren, Darren shaped that. Cause I was, I was honestly, it was a hard year and it was hard to know if I was doing the right thing, especially for my family. Like I just wasn't sure if I was putting them through too hard of a time that wouldn't bear fruit and be worth it in the long run. It was honestly, it was, it was incredibly difficult. Um, but also another thing I would say is as an entrepreneur, when you're starting something from nothing, there's a whole lot of nothing. And there's a whole lot of people who see that it's nothing and they say no to you. And you hear no so much more than you hear. Yes. But what what we had the the gift of is a lot of people who said no there was a hint of i really believe in what you're doing though wow um so there was so much no but keep going that we heard you know it was encouraging it yeah was. It, it, even in the in the midst of rejection it was still encouraging yeah us. yeah and so like i think if everyone was just like i have no clue what you're doing no i don't get it like i buy like we it probably <laughs> It would have been harder. Yes. Yeah, we should. We would have been able to listen to that better. But um, and I'm not saying that it was like we just took off like a rocket and everybody loved it because it was mostly no's that we heard and it was mostly like I can't buy your product as it is now. Um, but through that, we heard enough of people understanding the vision, even though we were terrible at communicating the vision. Um, we heard enough of of. Um, energy and belief in in why we cared about what we were doing that we continued down that path. Thankfully, we did. Yeah, I, I think now. you know you hit on a couple of things in there too. So I know you mentioned Brene Brown earlier. So vulnerability, right? Yeah. Like in the midst of like, hey, I could look like an idiot at the end of this process, right? Yes. Like I just invested months or potentially even years for yes. something that's not paying off for yes. me personally. Right. So I, I stand the chance of looking like an idiot at the end of this process. Mm-hmm. You have to have a level level of vulnerability and be comfortable with vulnerability in order to, to, to get through that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and to really believe in the outcome, like the mm-hmm. vision that you have for it. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other piece too is rejection. Um, because like you really, like, I didn't realize like when I, when I spent 15 years in, in corporate America before starting this, um, you don't really experience rejection. You know, like in, in daily life, unless you're a salesperson, right? Salespeople experience rejection often. But um, if you're just in a, a finance role or you're in a marketing role or you're in a, you know, like a, just in a, in, a, in a traditional role inside of corporate America, you just don't get an opportunity to experience rejection. And then you go into an entrepreneurial environment where like, hey, potential customers are telling you no potential investors are telling you no like everything that you're hearing is is no and it's it, it can be really really tough mm-hmm. psychologically to weather that yes what, what were some milestones that you guys hit along the way as you were building your brand that kind of functioned as an anchor you know maybe some turning points where you saw you know a little take in the chart there that you guys were headed in the right direction yeah we uh, one of the things that we talk about is every six months the business has changed. And so we actually pretty intentionally tried to, you know, get the team together about every six months because one, we want to try to celebrate like, where did we think we were going to be six months ago and where are we at today? And let's celebrate the things that we, that we did to get here. That is so important because when you're, when you're working so hard to create momentum and move something, you often forget what you've already done. And if you can just take a minute to step back and say, look at where we were six months ago dang look at us now (laughs) it just you 
there's so much to celebrate that you'll miss if you don't intentionally step back to look at it. And then I think the other piece to that is like when you get six months down the road, especially if things are moving fast, you know, like you're iterating, you're testing things, you're moving in a really agile way, then what ends up happening is you kind of, you moved off course, right? Like, and not necessarily in a bad way, just like, hey, nature of that testing and and trial and error kind of moved you to a different point. And I think it's really important. What we've found is with our team, if we don't step back and give an opportunity to cast that vision, people start to get really confused. And they're like, wait, what are we, why are we doing this? What are we doing? Like, this feels confusing. This isn't what we said that we were going to do six months ago. And um, I think because of that, it's really important for us us to just sit back down and cast vision again about, hey, where do we want to go in the next six months? So new KPIs, new milestones, new ways of measuring success um, in, in that next span. What, what I love is you guys talk so much about mission. Um, another one of my favorite uh, entrepreneurs is Pastor 2, Craig Rochelle. He talks about um, marry the mission and date the model. So the model is always going to change, but the mission should always be up in front. But what I'm hearing from you guys is constantly about that mission with your team. But even on your website, I mean, your homepage says Cloverleaf is on a mission to unleash people to do their best work. And that's I right. think that's so powerful when you're clearly articulating the mission above, you know, hey, we're a software company. It's no, you guys aren't a software company. You're, right. you're empowering people to do their best work. And that might look different one month, two month, one year, two years from now, but your mission is going to be always on this journey that you're, you're continuing to climb. And I think that's so important to be a battle ready brand is because guess what? Technology is always going to change. Processes are always going to change. There's not yep. a clear path from here to here, but if you have this mission, you're always marching towards, you know, like you guys are doing, then, I mean, that, that's probably when people were nodding their head, believing in what you're doing, they get excited because the mission that you're on is so much greater than you know, the current beta release point yeah. oh, version 1.2.3.4, <laughs> but getting people to see beyond that, you know, and that's, that's where I feel like, you know, battle ready brands really have the strength is whenever people can go on that mission with them and believe the same things that you believe, because it's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to hitch my trailer to you because I know that we've got a ways to go, but I know that you guys are the company or the organization that's going to help us get there because you're more than just, the software company that provides an assessment, right? It's you're right. helping people do their absolute best work and you're going to come up with things that you don't even know right now. And I don't even know what you're going to come up with now, but I, if we share the, share the same belief, then that helps you be ready for, for the battle ahead. Yeah, no, I'm really glad that you said that because I know like we've talked a lot about trust and psychological safety and cognitive diversity and all those things. But I do think it's a, another really critical element is like clear, articulated mission and something that is, um, you know, it feels honorable, right? Like if I go after that, that's something that I'm going to be proud to tell my kids at some point in the future, right? Like I had, I had an opportunity to impact this thing that was, that was a positive impact on society. And so I, I, you know, I definitely remiss not having mentioned that earlier, but like having really clear vision and having people aligned around that and bought in on it. So I, I totally agree wholeheartedly with everything that you just said. And I just want to applaud you guys. I mean, going in a, you know, pretty, pretty packed space with lots of players, but I mean, you, you guys are, are being the, you know, we talk about David and Goliath analogy, but you guys are, you know, fighting the giants with, with a strong mission, with passion. And yeah. I mean, you guys listening, go check out um, cloverleaf.me and just, go through this. It's you guys did a great job of getting your message out there, telling a really compelling story. And we're and you guys stick with us too on the podcast. We're going to give you a special code to get a, a deal on signing up for this. Um, we're, we're going to jump in with you guys too and, and use it for our team. So we're, we're pumped to get, get a little bit deeper on this. So we've got just a few minutes left and I kind of want to just maybe tie the, tie the bow here at the end. Where, where are you guys today and where are you headed say in the next six to 12 months? What are you most excited about? Yeah, I mean, well, it does feel like, you know, that whole analogy of like pushing a boulder up a hill, um, you know, all that rejection and stuff in the early days, um, man, that boulder is really, really heavy. Um, and I do feel like it just really even in the last month to two months, um, it, it feels like we've crested the hill and it's starting to kind of like move in the other direction, right? In terms of like the amount of energy that we have to exert 
to push the rock and the the distance that we're getting on it now is like that that equilibrium changed um and so like we we are venture backed um you know we have raised some initial funding uh we're in the process of closing out another round of funding and that's going to enable us to do even more um we've I think I think the latest number I looked at is we're at like 18 times growth already for this year, um, and we're sitting here in September. So um, that's pretty phenomenal success for 2019. And um, you know we're we're really excited about I think where our team uh, has come as well. We've seen a lot of growth from the individuals on our team and collectively as a team. So it's really one of those things where it's kind of like yeah we should be able to you know walk the talk. Um, instead of just, you know, being out there as a mouthpiece for, you know, some of these concepts, but like, we need to be able to demonstrate that it's, it, we're proof of, um, you know, a battle ready brand. And, um, so I, I, those are the things that I'm really excited about. And then obviously just the impact, I think, you know, in the early days, we didn't get a lot of great customer feedback, you know, not because like the product was terrible just like we didn't have a lot of customers in those yeah. early days yeah and um you know we we rarely go you know we, it's most days we're getting three four five just you know unsolicited feedback from clients that are like oh my gosh like look your product is amazing this is what it did for me and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is just really you know you want to talk about kind of a shot in the arm where you know in the old days it was like rejection 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 and now it's like Oh, they're unsolicited. They're coming to us and talking about the impact that it's having. And it's just really, it's very motivating to keep doing what we're doing and do it, do it faster and do it, you know, with more um, success. That's cool. Can, do, would you mind highlighting maybe a couple of those stories real quick? Like what have been some of the most impactful, um, inspiring stories from people that have used uh, Cloverleaf? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, some some recent examples is, um, you know, we've had we had somebody who was pursuing another job internally, and you know, she um, used our product to really identify what are some of the strengths relative to the job that she was applying for, and, and you know, had had one of the most successful you know interview conversations that she ever had and got the job, and you know, like unsolicited came back and like our product isn't necessarily built for that you know like we didn't create this button that someone hits and you know it walks them through it's like okay here's exactly how to handle this interview but it was just cool to see how people are using it really embracing kind of that self-discovery in a way that um, gets them to something that's going to be more effective for their career and you know more likely probably for their family as well because what happens at work spills over into your personal life absolutely does yeah and i've got another story too i was just talking to somebody the other day who their company is growing really fast, probably going to grow by 50% over the next year. And so they brought on Cloverleaf to help solve some of the dysfunctional interpersonal things that they're seeing, such as, you know, the super analytical people aren't communicating effectively to the creative people. And and they, so they saw us as a way to help solve that problem and be ready to bring on people into a really high functioning team. And he said, you know, already just in meetings, he's seeing people start to communicate differently. And they've only had our product for like a few weeks. Um, so stuff like that is just really, really exciting, awesome feedback for us to be getting. Yep. I kind of made this tongue in cheek, but has anybody uh, found their spouse by taking this assessment? Yeah, we actually have. We actually have some. Oh, found their spouse, like, or, yeah. or just, like, had their spouse come through it. I mean, have, have two people identified who they are through your through the platform and hitched? Matt's asking if you did any matchmaking. <laughs> have you done have any matchmaking? <laughs> the product really isn't built to match me. Although, no. although we have some things around mentoring that we've, we're, we're exploring maybe for the future. So but that's mentoring. Who knows what marriage. happens yeah. with that. <laughs> that's awesome. I just imagine it'd be a funny scenario. Somebody writes your review later on like, I got married because I took this. <laughs> changed my life. Awesome. Well, we, we do have a lot of people that invite their spouses or their their boyfriend or girlfriend and so i would like to think that we're helping make stronger marriages but i don't think we're actually doing the matchmaking part of that yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> well well i know for sure we, we're gonna we're gonna jump in sign up with you guys so we're excited cool. um and t- tell everyone um how they can how they can start start this program if, if you guys are listening and you have not done an assessment, or you have and you want something refreshing that you can actually use and isn't just a binder of data points. Um, Darren and Kirsten, how can they get started with Cloverleaf? 
Yeah, it's really easy. So you go to cloverleaf.me. So I know that's a little bit different. Um, so I'll just, I'll repeat it again, cloverleaf.me. Um, once you get on there, uh, we're going to direct you in the right path, right? We have products for individuals. We have products for uh, small teams. Uh, and we have products for coaches as well. So business coaches and consultants who are using this with their clients. And then we also have enterprise uh, capabilities as well. And for the small teams, the um, individuals, and for the coaches, there's a way where they can get on and actually get started right away. So it's, it's, a, it's a button on there that can just get started. Literally, it says get started. And, um, you know, we always start that process with some of those assessments. If they've taken those things before, they know their top five strengths, just plug them in, right? If you know you're an ENTJ, just plug them in. Others, we, you know, we have the assessments on there and they can take them directly on the platform. And then from there, they can create a team that can invite people into that. They can connect their calendars. They can get insights about the people they're going to be meeting with. Um, and all that's there and available for them. Amazing. And don't forget, Darren, there's also those integrated coaching tips that we talked about. Um, and to get those, you need to sign up for a plan as an individual or as a small team. Not already Brands Tribe, we are privileged to have Darren and Kirsten here, found co-founders of Cloverleaf. If you are building a team uh, or, or have a team, this is an essential piece of software that you guys need to start implementing right away. And we're so privileged to have them here with us to explain why this is crucial to you building or battleground brand. We uh, started this company a couple of years ago because we had an awesome experience working on a team with a great culture. And with that, we were able to produce so much more than we ever thought we were capable of. And a lot of people have that experience, an amazing team, one time only if you're lucky. And so with Cloverleaf, we've put a lot of psychology data and calculus together to be able to expose what is it that makes a team great. And so we help you recreate that magical team experience that everybody longs to have. Come on to our product and get started. Whether you're a team of one, it's just you, or you're a team of multiple hundreds, um, we've got really easy ways for you to get started. Just come to cloverleaf.me and get started. And special for our Battle Ready Brands listeners, we have a code to get 30% off. You just type in Battle Ready 30 when you check out. We're, we're not a, a really expensive product. This isn't going to take, you know, thousands of dollars out of their budget or anything like that. So it's already very affordably priced. And with that 30% discount, I think they'll find it uh, extremely valuable uh, from the very beginning. So guys, so support, support our friends here at Cloverleaf. Like go through this process. It's going to be invaluable. I mean, I've, I've had a team of up to like over 15 people before and I've spent thousands of dollars on personality stuff and like the value of it is huge. The price point is amazing. Plus you get 30% off. I mean, do yourself a favor and go hey, sign up for it. Yeah, either you pay now or you pay later. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> a, lot more, a lot more later. Yeah, a lot more later. Pay a little bit now or a lot more later. It's up to you. <laughs> That's good. Yep. So we're, we're going to take you into uh, uh, our last segment of the show, which is what we call the knockout round, which is a lot of fun. And what we like to do in the knockout round is we have a few different rounds where we pit iconic brands against each other, and you guys get to weigh in and decide who wins. So, oh no. yes, oh no, that's appropriate. <laughs> um, so, knockout round number one: tacos or pizza? Tacos. Oh, tacos. Yeah, I, it, and that, not the hard shell tacos. Got to be soft shell. It's got to be hard shell. And who's your favorite, no. Who gives you your favorite tacos? Um, oh my gosh. You know, we serve at an orphanage in uh, Baja, Mexico every year and a little town called La Misión uh, between Ensenada and Rosarita. And there's two taco stands in that community that uh, not only I, but my kids are obsessed over. And every year when we go, uh, they cannot wait to see Taco Ricci's or um, uh, the other the other spot there in town as well. Pretty cool story. That's so funny. You smuggle some back here? Uh, it probably wouldn't probably wouldn't be as good. You know, two days later. <laughs> Bring us back some, but you know, I don't like moldy tacos. Yeah, so. yeah. no, no good. <laughs> okay, round two. We've got. Um, let's see, Whole Foods or Trader Joe's? Yeah. Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I would have to go. 
Trader Joe's. I knew that's where you were thinking too. Yeah. Uh, it's been a popular one lately. Sorry, it has. sorry Whole Foods. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, um, round three, Windows or Apple? Apple. Oh, Apple. Yeah, easy, what a right? stupid question. Man, who even asked that question like, who put the, That's a dumb round. Yeah, it's, this must be from the 1985. Like, dude, oh, can you still hear us? Or, or you, I think you cut out for a second. Oh, um, yeah. Our sales guy, guy uses Windows, and it's like, dude, come on. Get with the modern operating system. Let's do this. <laughs> you, you guys might have to add one more core value. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we thought about making that a requirement, but ultimately, we want to. <laughs> that needs to be in the assessment. <laughs> uh, round four. This is a tough one. A lot of people get you know heated debates over this one. Burgers, Five Guys, or In and Out? Settle the debate. Oh, In and Out, all day, every day. That's not even uh, no, no way. Wow, no. pretty confident, Kirsten. You haven't said anything. Are you? What do you say? Well. I don't think I've ever eaten at Five Guys, and I it's been about 10 years since I ate it in and out so I just don't have an opinion on this. Can't really remember. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, all day. Hey, man, I'm glad we are having this conversation after we recorded the session because I'm definitely a Five Guys guy. Well, and you guys are in Texas, right? So Whataburger is kind of a big deal. I feel like that would be a, a tougher call. Is it Whataburger yeah, or is it our, our native Texans over here? We yeah, changed it, it for you guys. Yeah, even then it wouldn't matter. It's still Five Guys all the way. <laughs> all right so round five so you, you guys do have chick-fil-a over there right oh yes yes okay so you know they've got a bunch of different sauces probably too many sauces they create new sauces i think all the time it seems like yeah. so we got chick-fil-a sauce or polynesian sauce it's the best let's see i would say cane sauce i'm a huge raising cane oh, raising cane we got i would sauce over that all day i've not had the polynesian so i'll say the chick-fil-a sauce okay. okay so this is why i said oh no when you announced this because i i don't know either of those <laughs> oh well we know what you need to do later today at least at least this isn't about movies if this was oh, like gosh. which movie is better than the other this would be so boring uh, all I, my responses would be oh i i haven't seen that one i don't know kirsten has complete lack of awareness about pop culture so i'll be like hey i saw robert robert redford filming a, a, a film on the street the other day and she'd be like who's robert redford <laughs> how do you not know robert redford you know like yeah i don't know that's and that's not a hypothetical situation that's a real that's a situation real, that's a real that really happened yeah. no way that's cool so, yeah so i've got one for you then round what are we on six yep round six uh you've got mail or the notebook Oh gosh! <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> sadly, sadly, I'm trying, I have I'm trying to lobby one. Those were a couple of really good movies, so I've well, heard. She has to, trust me, she's she's <laughs> never going to see any of it. And sadly, I have seen both of those movies. That's because <laughs> you're married. <laughs> um, and I would probably go uh, the Notebook. Yeah, I think you got mail is a little too. I don't know. Meg Ryan. A little too Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks for me. Do something there. <laughs> it was impressive. That might be the only reference you'll get. <laughs> I'm proud of it. All right. Yep. Do that. So round seven. I don't know if you guys drink energy drinks. There's no judgment here. If you do or don't. If you're starting, you should have. Yeah. At some point. At some point, you've probably had one of these. So Red Bull versus Monster. I say they might both give you cancer. Go with coffee. <laughs> coffee versus energy drink <laughs> what do you think Darren? yeah i've got no opinion on that i do not drink energy drinks yeah i don't either um, my drug of choice is diet coke so oh yeah so diet know. coke versus coffee we'll just make it that one right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to do that to them. <laughs> so uh i know where you guys are located cincinnati it's very close right on the border between two states so I, I'm assuming that in, in, in the city, there's some conflict over college teams. So the next round is the Cincinnati Bearcats versus the Kentucky Wildcats. Oh, Darren's answer is so easy. On this it is one. so easy. I am a graduate of the University of Kentucky. I grew up, was born and raised in the state of Kentucky, and I bleed blue. I bleed blue all day, every day. And, and actually, I have an, I have an MBA it at uc so i should probably care more about them than i do um yeah, but yeah. i it's kentucky all the way all the way that's cool man not even the cardinals what say you about the louisville cardinals oh no no bitter rivals can't do that no 
<laughs> he bleeds blue, loyal to the core. And they got a good so that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Right, Don't even wait. Okay, so we, we know that you guys are Apple guys, so Apple versus PC. This one, you know, Matt and I struggle on this one a little bit because we're different. Yeah. And, and there's there's a lot of people out there that, you know, change, you know, the, the, the Android phone versus the iPhone. So what do you guys say on an iPhone versus Android? Which can't be. iPhone. Yeah, it's iPhone. iPhone. Yeah. iPhone. Yeah. iPhone, like, you can airdrop anything. You can, like, I mean, it just makes it so easy to function. Go iPhone. My, my wife is an Android. She's, she's like, refuses to buy any Apple products, which I don't understand. And then every time she's, like, trying to connect or, or share a file between her phone and her computer, or she's, like, you know, trying to message other people and gets lost in the iMessaging stream. And, um, yeah, there's just so many issues why you wouldn't want to have an Android. I, I see you iPhone people and I ask, does your phone have this? Oh, uh, wow, that's really gonna make me uh, switch. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you can doodle. Hey, that's you know what? Cute. My nine-year-old, my nine-year-olds and my 11-year-old would choose it because of that. I'm just saying. When, when I'm bored and I get to color coloring pages with my fancy pen on my phone, I feel pretty good. So, yeah. so there. I'm glad. I'll let you have your moment. I know. I'm always the odd man now. But when, when, when Matt tries to send me pictures, like we do some Spartan races and stuff together, so sometimes he sends me pictures and they look great on his phone, and then I get them and they're like really compressed and pixelated and can't see them. I, I know. His phone can't handle the, the quality of my photos. I don't think that's it, Matt. I don't think that's it. <laughs> we'll, we'll take this offline. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll solve this later on. <laughs> well, cool, guys. Thanks so much. And uh, it's been fun. Thank you for playing the battle round, knockout round. And um, again, guys, Cloverleaf, go and check it out. It is going to do so much for your, for your team, no matter how small. If it's just you, if you're a solopreneur, if you're, you know, got a partner, you're looking to, to bring a partner on board, or if you got a big team, this is crucial to building a battle-ready brand. You have got to figure out how your team can work best as a team. Um, and it's just crucial. So guys, we're so glad that you got on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having us today. It was awesome. Super fun. Thank you, you guys so much.